Come on, everybody. Yeah. Come on, church. Welcome back to After the Sermon Ends podcast, where we know that after the sermon ends, the conversation begins. Yes. I'm here with Josh Richards and Julia Yoder. And we are ready to bring the pain. <laughs> yes. Bring the word. Right. Go. I, I don't think we need another introduction. No. I think we can just jump into it. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. I'm going to be honest. I really am. Yeah. So, Marcus, you took us into uh, Matthew 6, 12 through 15, the, finishing up the Lord's Prayer this week. Um, you want to give us a recap of that sermon? Yeah, so we're we're still in the part where Jesus is, uh, we're praying for our daily needs. And one of the ones that he, he prays for in this section right here is praying for the forgiveness of our sins daily. So those daily shortcomings, those, uh, the daily ways that we, that we fall short of God's glory, the daily uh, disobedience, whether it's intentional or unintentional, we pray that the Father would forgive them, and we do it daily according to the Lord. Also here, because it's kind of choppy, right? So I, I struggled with it, but the, the choppiness then is praying for... Uh, to be delivered from the evil one, right? Not led into temptation, but delivered from evil. We kind of, or at least I did, I struggled with it in preparation. And it, it's only difficult because in 14 and 15, he goes back to for uh, to forgiveness. Right. Um, that was really it. We're praying for those daily needs, not uh, praying that the Father would forgive us of our sins daily, and then praying that he wouldn't uh, lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And we talked about that leading us not into temptation. Uh, we talked about that a little bit, but we can talk about it at some point in this recording. I'm sure we will. I want you to talk about, Marcus, the the thing that stood out to me was the two. You separated it really well. Like, Thank you. We ask the Lord for forgiveness, which in part you just said this. Yes, we ask for forgiveness, but in our asking, we're not asking so that we're justified. Right. Like, once we repent, we're asking because he tells us to do that. Yeah. But it's not what justifies us. Right. Otherwise, it, it's like, why did Jesus die? Right. Which you said that. Right. So we're that idea of justification, we're standing before God as judge. Here in the Lord's Prayer, we're standing before God as Father. And you can't, you can't lose that adoption as sons or daughters. Come on. <laughs> hey. So... In this, right, in justification, you're declared righteous for like past, present, and future sins are forgiven in a moment. And that's when you repent and believe in Jesus's death and resurrection for the forgiveness of sin. I felt like a broken record on Sunday because I kept saying that. And then I was like, why are you ashamed of that? Just keep on saying it. Anyways, that's justification. God's legal declaration of the sinner as righteous, right? You are guilty and dead in your trespasses and sin. Now, you are declared righteous by God. Now, sanctification is that that process of becoming more like Christ. In that, where our our daily sin is is going to disrupt uh, our relationship with the Father. So we pray that the Lord or that the Father would forgive us of our sin, uh, those daily shortcomings, like I was talking about. But we can never lose that salvation. And uh, moving just a little bit ahead. It can almost appear like forgiveness or, or praying for forgiveness can become a work, and that's not the case either. So we can't lose our salvation, no matter how bad or how far or how much we sin. Right. Uh, we have forgiveness daily, so forgiven in an instant and forgiven for eternity in 
Christ. Wow. I don't know if that answered your Absolutely question. Absolutely, it okay. did. I was just, amen. I kept amen in on Sunday because I was like, yeah, say it again. Something I was reading this morning about that as well was how that that prayer is a, a is a daily uh, prayer for us for personal fellowship with God as well, where we where we come to Him and before the day even gets started or even after the day ends, like we're we're praying for that personal fellowship that we feel towards God to be restored and that 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 happens through his daily forgiveness of of the sins that we've committed that day and um, even though that we are justified and those count nothing against our eternal uh, status like it it does affect like our our daily sins do affect how we view God Um, they they numb us they uh, take us away from a desire for his word and I think we just need a, a a prayer of forgiveness to kind of restore that personal fellowship with him each day as well. Yeah, I agree. I do want to hear your guys' thoughts on Marcus, the first part of the message that you had, which was um, kind of on the, um, the shopkeeper view that people have about God and how, you know, people treat him almost as a, as a Santa Claus of like keeping a record of wrongs and, um, we can start with you, Julia. It's like, what was, what were your, some of yeah. your thoughts on like this Santa Claus theology? I was getting hype <laughs> during that part <laughs> because I am just, I just love God. And he's so like the opposite of what our flesh is like naturally inclined mm-hmm. to do and think, which is like, I do good. So I'm good. Yeah. But when it comes to the gospel, like Marcus laid out, we can't do anything good right. apart from him. Right. So we're only good because he's called us right. justified. And <clears throat> if I can just pull out the scripts here. Amen. I loved that verse, um, Colossians 2, 13 and 14. So I'll just read it again for our listeners. Yeah. Lean in, listener. Lean. It says, and you who were dead in your trespasses... And the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. And then, I mean, that's just incredible. And it lays it out so perfectly. It's like, why are we justified? Oh, Jesus paid the penalty. Right. So why would I live my life acting like I have to pay the penalty? Right. I just love that. That's, yep. It's the opposite of the way that I want to think, yeah. which would say like, I'm not feeling like, like I told a lie today or mm-hmm. I gossiped today mm-hmm. or I, whatever today. So I guess I must, how could I be justified? But that's the whole beauty of what the gospel is, right. who Jesus is. Right. He's like, I know you're not worthy, but I'm calling you worthy mm-hmm. and you're mine. And that's just the way it is. Yep. I think, were you there for the volunteer huddle? Before service? Yes. So what Julia was sharing in there, it, like I knew that I was going to talk about this shopkeeper concept of God, which just for anybody who's listening and missed it, there was a rabbi, uh, ancient rabbi, who had, who commonly expressed this idea of God or this view of God that he was like a shopkeeper who kept a ledger and he kept all the, the good and the bad that you did and you wanted to do more good than bad because when you stood before him in judgment, he would check pretty much your credit score. And as long as your account was in the black and not in the red, Mm -hmm. he would allow you in. But if your 
if your account was negative or you had bad credit, yeah. you did more bad than good, you know, you'd be sent to judgment. We, I think at least me, I, I hear this all the time with, with karma or the universe or call it what you want, but it invades its way into the church when, just like Julia is saying, we get this idea of God that if we're doing good, he's happy with us. If we're doing bad, he's not. And while he certainly, like, I don't want anybody to hear, yeah, he is happy when we sin or disobey him or whatever, but I think what I'm what I'm trying to capture is exactly what Julia was saying, mm-hmm. is that when we get, when we have this, this concept of God where he's making a list and checking it twice, right, trying to find out who's naughty or nice, we, we get into this rhythm of walking in shame, yeah. walking in this concept that we can never— we can never receive God's love or experience or feel God's love. And I think the gospel reminds us or tells us that that's not the case, that in Jesus's death and resurrection, that debt is canceled. Mm -hmm. And when we repent and believe in that, when we trust in his death and resurrection for the forgiveness of our sin, he we're adopted into the family of faith. A child cannot be unloved, right? Can't be unadopted, can't be unloved, loved like past, present, future debt erased. So no more shopkeeper mentality, but when when we walk around like that, it, it's so destructive because it's exactly just like um, we were talking about a second ago with temptation. It's like that's exactly where Satan wants us to walk around like we're ch- God's children, but you know he's not really happy about the fact that we're his children. Yeah, and it's like how destructive. Like even if it's a degree off of the fullness of Christian life, right? Let's say you do a lot of great things for the Lord and the church, but you, you aren't walking in the fullness of his love. How, how greatly that can affect your, your kingdom impact, um, in your time here on the world. I think it's, it's tremendous. And that's exactly what Satan wants. Right. What are your, some of your guys thoughts on like why this is such a prevalent mindset, either in today's like Christianity or just in the world today? Um, like why do people, why do you think people struggle with it so much? I think Julia hit it on the head. It, it's it's a natural, kind of a natural view, like a fleshly view of God. Yeah. Anybody who's eternally forgiving holds no wrong against somebody, not because of what they've done, but because of what someone has done for them, really what God has done for them in Christ. I think that it's not fully comprehensible to us. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I think aside from like, it's because that's how our flesh is. Right. Like, why is our flesh like that? Well, I mean, because we're, we're sinful, Mm -hmm. but also it's like, I think we've talked about this before on this podcast when I've been here, but it's like, that's the world we've built for ourselves, at least like in the United States, like where I think, you know, we're, we're us three at least are most familiar with being, it's like, that's what we've built for ourselves. Like you work really hard, you get this. Then you like level up. It's like all about leveling up to get something in return. So which isn't always inherently bad, but it's like when it comes to Jesus, people think how could there possibly be a love so powerful that no matter what, like he's going to love me no matter what. It's like, it doesn't make sense. And it's like, yeah, it doesn't. Right. That's why it's so radical. Like, that's why it's so insane, because it doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. But that's kind of a trail. Anyways, yeah, I just feel like 
it's because that's our sinful nature and that's kind of. Yeah. Another reason that I think is helpful to point out too, is like we, I know I tend to do this a lot of like, I just kind of impute my level of love for myself or for other people onto how I think God views me of, you know, because I, I, I can hold grudges and because I keep a record of wrongs too, too often. It's like, I kind of can put that on God and it's like, and view that as how he treats me when that's, that's just my sinful way of thinking in the yeah. first place. Yeah. Like projecting on him mm-hmm. and then creating essentially a false God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cause really? it's like, that's not how he forgives for sure. Which so many other religions also, I was thinking this when you're talking about like karma, the universe, mm-hmm. whatever, they're all about like, well, when you get there, if he decides mm-hmm. and it's like, that's no way to live. No. What other God, lowercase G there's only one uppercase G God. <laughs> what other God says, like, say yes to me, invites you into an intimate, incredible relationship with him and also justifies you and keeps no record of your wrongs and invites you into a life, like, full of him. Right. No one else is, no one else is doing that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, not only is that, not the invitation in any other religion, but it, we do nothing. Like we've done nothing to to be declared righteous, to be eternally forgiven. We don't have to do anything to be dead at the bottom of the ocean, right? As you said in that, right? Moment. We just we receive what He's done, His finished work for us, and then He applies it to us. So, uh, one last thing I would just say is I think in that whole sinful flesh vein. I think it's a way for us to take credit for what we do, Mm. right? Because it's so easy for us to forget the bad, but we're like, oh, but I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. And it's like, God, God exactly. God must be happy with me. And then we get into that whole, (laughs) we get into that whole dilemma of like, well, why am I going through all this, even though I'm doing all that? And it's like, have you read the Bible? Like Jesus (laughs) was the best one, the the best Fully God, fully man, lived a sinless life, yet was beaten, mocked, rejected, and crucified. So if if he didn't commit any sin, if he lived a, a, the best life ever, a sinless life, yeah. then why should we expect in our sinful life for it to be all sunshine and rainbows? Because we think we do good. Yeah. Yeah, convicting stuff right there. Unless you guys have any other thoughts on... God forgiving us, I do want to uh, pivot a little bit towards uh, us forgiving others, which is an even harder concept for us to carry out. But yeah, Marcus, like you, you were explaining in, in your sermon that this forgiveness that we have, like we've, like we've been explaining, does not earn us any more favor than we already have. It's not transactional, but it is a mark of kingdom citizens. Um, so ca- you care to explain a little, a little deeper into that? Yeah. So Jesus says in, uh, Matthew six twelve, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And so it, it sounds like it's causal, right? So forgive us as we have forgiven others, cause and effect. Right. And I don't think, well, actually it's affecting cause and order, but that's the, what it looks like the relationship is. However, when, when we understand it, we understand that our forgiveness of others is not a meritorious work. Our forgiveness of 
our neighbors, our or even our brothers and sisters in Christ, does not earn us God's forgiveness. That's not what Jesus is saying here. But what we see is that our forgiveness of other others is a reflection that we have been born again, that we are a child of God, that we are a kingdom a kingdom citizen. And then we read the the parable of the unforgiving servant in Matthew eighteen twenty one through thirty five, and there, what we see is at least as far as I'm concerned, like. I can so easily be the unforgiving servant. It's like the only way to prevent becoming that is really sitting in and resting in and meditating on how much God has forgiven you of, like the gravity, the weight of what you've been forgiven, Mm -hmm. and then keeping that in, in the front of your mind when somebody sins against you. I'm glad you really went into the unforgiving servant and that, that parable uh, is not really one that I've studied deeply in the past or really been able to like just understand. Like, And I think what turned it on its head for me was when you explained like how much money this guy actually owed yeah. to the um, to the master. It's crazy, right? Right. Because, you know, in, in my mind, when I when I looked at this, I'm like, oh, he's just going out to his fellow servants and just getting what they owe him so that he can go pay back his master. Well, when you showed showed us that this this debt that he owed was never able to be paid off, and and the master is still willing to forgive it, then like that should like the natural reflection of a born again believer should be to just accept that forgiveness and then go and forgive the debts that other people have toward like with him. So I'm really glad you explained that well because like it was something that I had not grasped yet, but it brings this into a better light for me. It's like, you know, why do I keep a record of wrongs? Because anybody that knows me on a a deeper level knows that I'm really bad about grudges. And like I replay incidents in my head, like all the time of people that have like done anything wrong against me. And that's not a healthy thing to do at all. And I'm still working through that. But like this really helped, uh, helped me see it's like, why do I keep a record of wrongs? Why do I hold grudges when Jesus so freely forgives me because of his sacrifice. And that now gives me the ability to go and for, uh, be forgiving to others as well. I, I do have a thought about that. I think that it's, again, just to bring it back to Jesus is just so cool. No one who's ever heard of forgiving a debt that wasn't deserved like to be forgiven. I feel like my mind is currently being blown <laughs> All over it. That. Like that's the, what we need—an explosion. Yeah, I can do it. A mind blown. <laughs> yeah, like no one else was doing that, and Jesus was like, "This is the way of the kingdom," and the fact that we would have no concept for what it looks like to forgive radically had it not been for Him doing it mm-hmm. in the most radical way ever, 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 ever is insane. What's interesting to me, this is what I was going to say, is why is this guy collecting debts when he has no more debt? Right. It, and I think that's kind of what you were hitting on, but it's like you you don't need the money now. You don't have any debt to pay. So You think it was like just the embarrassment of that he didn't receive that as a gift? He received it more as an embarrassment? No, I well, I, I think that it was pride. If I'm just trying yeah. to like carry it over into the the application portion right it's it's not necessarily about those uh financial debts but 
yeah. our our spiritual and moral 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 debt that we owe you God. You did that. You did that on Sunday. I too. do. Oh all wait, the time. you didn't say moral. You said sporal. Yeah, like spiritual and moral. <laughs> I'm just combining words. You also said clausal. So yeah, that was a cool word. It was wait. causal. Yeah. Clausal is a word. Yeah, I was gonna say that sounds like. Well, yeah, you, but you meant causal. Yeah, Whitney corrected me. Anyways, so the it's about the spiritual and moral debt that we owe God that we could never pay. We're the servant. God's the master. He forgives us the debt that we could never pay. And then we run around and start grabbing up our neighbors. And I think it's our pride, right? Like we we want to be, we don't want to be embarrassed by having this debt that somebody owes us. We don't yeah. want to be the the laughing stock of of somebody's jokes or somebody's mistreatment or whatever the case is. So we want to try to like justify ourselves by going and and charging them up for, you know, this really uh, insignificant in the grand scheme of things, right? Especially comparatively to God's forgiveness or the the debt that we owed Him. We want to charge them up with that. So yeah, I, I think that that's what at least I what I struggle to keep in my mind is that that God has forgiven me of a debt that I could never repay. In light of that, why do I try to why do I try to like not justify myself but try to go after people who have sinned against me? Yeah, that's good. Yeah, and so the kind of the final section of of this prayer finishing up the Lord's prayer was uh, lead us not into temptation. And so you you made a clear distinction that God is not the tempter, he is not the one tempting us with sins. So, so why then does this, this prayer, like, why, why is this an important prayer to pray of lead of praying to God, lead us not into temptation? Yeah. Short answer is Matthew's, well, Jesus actually is, is praying that God wouldn't lead the disciple into a place where he could be tempted or where Satan could use that as an opportunity to tempt him. Not that God is tempter, which is what you just said and what we talked about. If Matthew wanted to portray God as tempter, he would have done so very clearly. And I think that what we see is it doesn't really translate well in English to convey it, but in the original Aramaic prayer and then in the Greek, it it carries over a little easier. However, just for simplicity's sake, God's not tempter. And we looked at James 1.13, I think. Yep, yep, James 1.13. Just to confirm that, but we already knew that. So Jesus is praying that God wouldn't, lead the disciple into a place where Satan could use that uh, or, or could tempt them in that place. And we looked at Jesus in the wilderness where the Spirit of God led him there to be tempted by Satan. Jesus has the power to resist Satan's temptation. We don't in our own strength, we, power, we and flesh. Yeah, did you have any thoughts on, on that section, Julia, with uh, leading us not into temptation? Marcus took all my thoughts that I had. Damn. I'm just kidding. I put them in my pocket. <laughs> I did a really poor job at kind of casting what temptation can be, though. I think I think you hit it earlier when you were talking about gossiping or speaking negatively about somebody. I think that those are really easy temptations that we overlook, or at least I do. You know, we think about, like, drug addiction or, um, like, these different, like, addictions that people have. But right. Gossiping is a sin, yeah, and I think that's one that, especially in the church, we overlook, which is why so many people don't want that accountability and support from the people that are supposed to be the ones who provide it for them, right. carrying one another's burdens. 
it's very hard to do that if you if you don't have trust for those people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that unfortunately that's kind of a culture that is fermented in the church. And I think we need to reverse that trend. Yeah. And then so one one final question or thought I had uh, regarding this was as Christians, like we should expect like temptation and trials to come into our lives. Like suffering is a part of, of life. You know, this, this world is fallen and there are going to be many opportunities to sin. But I think this, this verse and this prayer shows us like it's, it's appropriate to, to pray for us, to pray for God to lead us away from those things. It's like, but if those things are there and, and God does deem this as an opportunity for you to be tested, like don't just try to claw your way out of it. Like trust God and put your eyes on God for the whole process. Well, you hit a very important distinction. Satan tempts, God tests. Yeah. Right. So God is never tempter. That's always Satan. God does test to strengthen. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think, yeah, when we can discern the difference between the two, I think it'll naturally drive us to, in those moments of testing, trust God. Right. In those moments of temptation, flee. How would you say you would make a dis- the distinction between when, I, when I'm being tested versus when I'm being tempted? Great question. Yeah, I, I think that's a, well, I think that's a very difficult question to answer specifically, but I think temptation more often gratifies self and the flesh. Testing, I think, is probably not a, it's dying to self. I think a test, no matter if it's like health issues or um, job issues or money issues, like whatever the thing is, I think the test is to remain faithful, deny yourself, take up your cross daily. The temptation is like, oh, well, I could make money really easily doing this. It would, however, cause me to, you know, let's say stop going to church, stop uh, doing the things that that I'm doing. It would interrupt my relationship with God, um, or I would be earning this money sinfully, but it would be quick. Health issues, you know, you can manipulate different things there, but I think fundamentally a test always calls you to deny your flesh. Uh, temptation always calls you to really, Give in. yeah, yeah. That's good. All right. Well, those are, those are wise words. Any final words of encouragement to our listeners out there today? Yeah, I think pray, pray for this daily, right? For, for the father to forgive you of your sins, even though you're justified, your relationship won't be right with him if there's unconfessed sin. Um, and, and that, Again, doesn't affect your salvation, but it does affect your kingdom impact and your walk with the Lord day to day. And then, I, I don't know. At least for me, it was a reminder to pray that that the Lord would lead me not into these areas where I can be tempted. Yeah. Um, I, I, from time to time, get into autopilot and end up in the middle of the desert in my own strength and power, and mm. thirsty and hungry. You right. know. Right. And then, yeah, uh, just protection against Satan's temptation. My final thought would be if you're somebody who happens to be listening and you've said yes to Jesus and have repented, but that was a long time ago, or maybe a lot's happened since then. I feel like one of my main takeaways was like, there is an invitation back. Like you can't, 
you can't lose. You can't, no one can take away what God's given. Right. And once he said you're justified, that's how it is. And so there is an invitation back to living a life in the fullness of his love. And there's a narrative that says like all the things you've done that have created shame, like that stuff you feel like that's your forever, but it doesn't have to be. And I think that's important that I feel like that would be a good note to end on that no matter what, like Marcus was saying, we're, we're justified and that's the way it is because God says so. (laughs) So no one else can bring a charge against who's God, who God has called Mm -hmm. righteous and redeemed. That's good. I would agree. That's a great, great place to end Julia. (laughs) Uh, Listener, thank you so much for joining us. Um, We hope you enjoyed uh, this, this fun episode talking about uh, forgiveness. We know it's not always easy, but in the power of the Lord, we know it's possible. Uh, Thanks again. Until next time. Hey, man. Join us next week as we tap into Jared Cagle's message, one of the last greatest sermons of all time.